And so Paul writes, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. After all of this talk from Romans about salvation in Jesus Christ, about being baptized into his name, and about how nothing can separate us from his love, there might be one more really important question that's running around in our minds. And if it's not running around in your minds, it did seem to be running around in Paul's mind, and he assumed probably also running around in the mind of the Romans to whom he was writing. Where is Jesus? How do we have an encounter with this one who has delivered us from sin and from death? Where do we find him? And why isn't he the one not only writing the letter, but actually appearing to the Christians in Rome to deliver them that salvation in person. In short, where is Jesus now? So the story is told of a man who had a bit of a bender on a Saturday night, didn't end up leaving the bar until really early Saturday morning, Sunday morning from your perspective, and as he was stumbling around the town, came to the town pond, and there was the local Baptist preacher baptizing people in the water. And the preacher saw this drunk coming towards him and said, Sir, do you want to find Jesus? And the man, realizing that he'd finally hit rock bottom, said, Indeed, that sounds like a good next step for me. So the pastor said, Come on over. And he took him down into the water, and he dunked him, as is the Baptist tradition, deep under the water and pulls him back up and says, Have you found Jesus? And the man, kind of sputtering, says, No, no, I haven't. Pastor, a little bit surprised, takes him and puts him down again for a full five seconds under the water, holds him down, pulls him back up and says, have you found Jesus? The man says, no, no, I haven't found Jesus. Pastor figures I'll give it one more time, and he takes him and he holds him down for a full ten seconds under the water, pulls him back up and says, man, have you found Jesus? And the man says, no. Are you sure he's at the bottom of the pond? Because this is the question, right? Where do we find our Lord? And where do we bring others to find this Jesus that we have shared with them in our own discussions? Now, you've heard the good news in this place. You've heard the good news over the last few weeks from Paul's letter to the Romans. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him 
in a resurrection like his. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And so I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And so where do we find this Jesus, and how do we bring our friends and our neighbors and our family to be with him? you have perhaps already anticipated the answer. Because Paul gave us the answer in our epistle reading. This is it. In preaching, in the proclamation of the gospel, Jesus says, I will be with you. I will come among you and deliver you the goods. Jesus comes to us through a preacher. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? No preacher, no Jesus. That is why churches first foremost, before they have buildings, before they have pews or hymnals or sound systems or live streaming capabilities or parking lots or anything, call for themselves a preacher, a pastor. When I was in early church history class with Dr. Bill Weinrich, he went up to the blackboard and he said, I'm going to draw you a picture of what the church is. And of course, all being First-year seminarians, we waited in anticipation of this beautiful diagram of what, in its essence, the church is. And he drew a nice square. Behind it, he put a circle, and in front of it, a bunch of other circles. He said, that is the church. God's people gathered around preaching and the sacrament and receiving Jesus from the pastor. You don't need anything more than that. It's a bonus if you've got candles. It's a bonus if you have banners. If you have a ladies' aid group, if you have a council, if you've got budgets, if you've got any of that, but so long as you have an under-shepherd who proclaims Jesus and sheep who are listening to the voice of their shepherd and his good news, and a gathering around the word and the gifts that Jesus gives, you have the church. Not a part of the church, but the whole kit and caboodle, as my grandfather used to say. And that's why even during COVID, we met online. I know it's not as much fun. Certainly not for me. I like being with people. I like being able to touch people during a funeral, to at least put my hands on their shoulder. I like being able to look people in the eye as they give them the good news. 
But so long as you've got people who are listening to the proclamation of Jesus, even if it's over the internet, you have the church. Yes, the sacrament of the altar is a tangible presence of the preached word, but it is the word that makes the things happen in the sacrament. No word, no church. And without the word, God forever remains hidden. Without a preacher, we cannot see what God is up to. God remains hidden behind viruses. Where is God in the middle of the pandemic? Should our churches be mask-free places? Is that how we find Jesus? Should Christians be protected from illness? Is that how we will find Jesus? God remains hidden behind disasters. Church buildings get flooded, destroyed by tornadoes, leveled by earthquakes. Should our buildings somehow be protected? Is that how we will find Jesus? And perhaps in the Western world and in places like Quebec more than anywhere, God is simply hidden behind apathy. Governments weren't slow to reopen churches in Quebec because they didn't like us or because they had it in for Jews and Muslims and Christians and Sikhs. They were slow to reopen the churches because, frankly, he just forgot about us. When the Diocese of Montreal's Ecumenical Affairs Office reached out to the government of Quebec and said, what is your plan for reopening churches? The answer was, an, oh no, we can't have Christians meeting together. They might spread the virus. The answer wasn't, oh, we have a great plan for how we're going to do that. The answer was, totally forgot. Is God hidden behind apathy? Shouldn't Jesus be found in the culture's approval of what we're doing? How do you find Jesus when no one cares? If we look for Jesus in these things, we will not find him. We will at best find a God of judgment or at worst not find God at all any more than the drunk could find Jesus looking for him in the bottom of the pond. Jesus comes among us in his word, in his good news, in the proclamation of the cross where he died, in the announcement to you of the good news that his tomb was empty, in the announcement that he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he will return to bring you to be where he is because he has promised to do so. That's where we find Jesus. And so when the Lutherans were asked to present their faith to the Holy Roman Emperor, tell us what it is that's got you all so upset with the Pope. Tell us what it is that you're all about. The fifth thing that they wrote about was this, to obtain faith in Jesus as the Son of God, that our faith might justify us before God, God instituted, the word in German was predigamt, the office of preaching. That is, provided the gospel and the sacraments, through these as through means, he gives the Spirit who works faith where and when he pleases in those who hear the good news. 
And the good news teaches us that we have a gracious God, not by our own merits, but by the merit of Christ, when we believe this. The Word is near you. Each and every one of you this morning, even those of you online, the Word is near you, this Word of faith that we proclaim. Jesus comes this morning to Montreal, right now, in this place and any other place in this city where there is a preacher proclaiming his cross. Jesus comes this morning to Jamaica through Pastor Abadite as he stands up before the people of Faith Lutheran and St. Andrew and proclaims to them the same gospel. Jesus is coming right today to Ponce, Puerto Rico, to Mayaguez, as Pastor Gustavo and Pastor Anthony and Pastor James proclaim to their people the very same good news that you are hearing right now. All over the world, Jesus is showing up in preaching. Job, poor old Job, trying to find God in the loss of his health, trying to find God in the loss of his family, his wealth, everything. Finally, God asked Job, was he there in the beginning? Was he there when the foundations of the world were laid? Of course he wasn't, and neither were you, and neither were I. We would know nothing about any of these things if it were not for the Word, which we've been studying on Thursdays and now, now Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock as we go through Genesis and then continue on through the Old Testament, we would know nothing about these things if God would not speak them to us in his word. Peter, called out of the boat, not because he sees a ghost, but because he asks for a word from his Lord, and the word is spoken, come. And based on that word, Peter leaves the boat. And based on that word, Peter walks across the water. And it is only when he forgets the word and starts seeing that he starts to sink beneath the waves. And what saves him, yes, is Jesus' arm. What saves him, yes, is Jesus reaching down. But if you read closely, you look closely at that gospel. As Jesus is doing these things, he's speaking the word to him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? This is not a rhetorical question. Jesus is looking for an answer from Peter. Why did you doubt? Because you stopped listening and started looking. And in that moment, you lost your faith. Jesus comes to us in his word, in the proclamation of the good news. Paul writes a lot of letters. Most prolific letter writer in the New Testament. He's got a lot to say, Paul. Kind of like Alexander Hamilton. Writing like he's running out of time. Got to get the word out, you see. And Paul writes a letter to Titus. It's an interesting letter. Because Paul seems to have to remind Titus of why he was sent to Crete. It wasn't a vacation. I don't know if maybe Titus had been on Facebook posting pictures of 
sitting on the beach in Crete. Hey, look at me. I'm a missionary in Crete. Paul has to write to him and remind him of why he's there and says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now, not elders the way we think of elders. That word back then meant preacher. Who's going to share the word with the people of Crete? That's why you're there. Find preachers who hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. The mission of the church is driven by preachers. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus isn't found at the bottom of the pond. You don't have to go down to the bottom of the Fleuve Saint Laurent to go look for Jesus. We don't have to send astronauts out into space, to the moon, to Mars, wherever. And I am a big fan of space exploration. But we're not out there looking for Jesus. We don't have to go up to the heavens to try and find him. And you do not have to turn inward. Find the right power crystal, the right meditation technique, the right yoga, the right inward self or spiritual experience or feeling. Jesus is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Preach it. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, our preached, crucified, risen, and ascended Lord. Amen.